Good morning, church. That is a redemptive song that we sing when we think of Jesus and the great power that God has manifested in him by sending Jesus, Jesus being sent, sending himself, and coming to save us, living a perfect life. And so we have every reason to rejoice. So I'm glad you're here this morning to, uh, to worship our great God. Let's go, please, together to God in a word of prayer. Gracious and kind Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, and we, we praise you. We're so thankful to you for uh, your great sacrifice that you've made from, from heaven's throne. That Jesus came down and lived and died, lived a perfect life that we might be saved. Thank you for the amazing sacrifice. Thank you for your gracious love and for your kindness. Help us this morning as we worship you to be tremendously thankful to you, to show gratitude, Lord God, and to keep our minds from worldly thought. That we might focus only on you and on your word, your will, and your way. These things we do ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be thy will. Amen. The uh, eternal perspective this morning. Closing out this, uh, this thought, I'm going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The correct spiritual perspective is proper for navigating our spiritual journey of life, right? We, we must challenge the physical uh, uh, perspectives that get in the way of our spiritual, right? Those things that, that tug at us, that, that try to pull us away from what's really important. And there has to be this, this balance between the physical and the spiritual. The, the balance has to be there, but just make sure that your scale is not tilted towards the temporal pleasures of this life. And that's important. And that scale has to be, has to be uh, if you will, tilted towards spirituality because that's the most important thing. Paul gives us uh, a better understanding in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart. And though the outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. And, and that is not a, a questionable thought. Every single day we're growing weaker Every day, every single day, we're getting closer to our, our end. And if you're not focused on the spiritual, you're going to fight at trying to make yourself physically stronger so you can live on earth forever, and that's not going to happen. And so he continues to say, for momentary light afflictions is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And, and so it's so easy, First uh, Timothy chapter 6, to become fixated on things that we can see. Because we're human. Right? And we can see it and we can touch it, and we can taste it, and we can smell it. it it's our five senses. It, and sometimes, or should I say oftentimes, those things challenge the proper perspective of life. Like money. First Timothy 6 and 
verse 6, it, it speaks of godliness. And it, and it says, but godliness, godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied with something. Contentment. Right? It, it, it's not the pursuit of, of riches and fame and fortune. It's, it's godliness with contentment. Thank you, God, for the, the place that I'm, I am, the place that I'm at. Thank you, God, for bringing me here. Not that God is not saying, oh, don't continue to try to better yourself, but God is saying being content in the state that you're in until you can, or maybe you won't grow richer or whatever it may be. He reminds us of something. In verse 7, for you brought nothing into the world and we're, we're not taking anything out of the world. Right? Nothing's going with you. So why would I focus you know, my, my eternal perspective, why would my eternal perspective be, be, be faced on something that's, that's dealing with moral flesh that actually isn't eternal? Sometimes we treat our, our, our lives in the flesh as if they are eternal. It's not. But we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. I think every, every Christian should go to a third world country. I mean, it is my opinion, but I'll tell you what, it'll change your perspective of life. I, you know, I mean, you just, I think every Christian ought to go to, and if you don't go to a third world country, just go into, go into the uh, poverty, if you will, in, in America and just go visit. And you're going to realize some things about life. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation. Why do you want to fall into temptation? Right? I mean, that's what you're, when you pursue, when you say, hey, I want to be rich. You know, when I grow up, I'm going to be, I want to be rich. And it's like, well, wait, why don't you just say it in this way? When I grow up, I want to have so much temptation that I can't handle it. Right? And that what you, that's what we're saying, right? And God is saying that should never be your pursuit for happiness. Your pursuit for happiness should be in God and in Christ alone. And then, and then he says something. He says, they fall into temptation and it's not just temptation, a snare. Right? If your pursuit for happiness is all about riches, all about money, all about fame, all about fortune, you're going to be tempted beyond compare and you're going to find yourself in a snare. And if you want to understand what a snare is, go back to Judges chapter 2. When Israel left those people there in the land and God said there'll be a, a snare to you. So, so it's not just temptation, but it's also a snare and he says something else. Many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. It's not just temptation, church. He, he tells you four things that's going to happen. Four, he says, number one, temptation. Number two, a snare. Number three, many foolish, what? What's going on in foolishness? Many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Foolish decisions. Foolishness. Just watch TV. <laughs> you see it. For the love of money is the, is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. And so, and so money, money 
It is to live, not to love. There's a difference, right? We need money to live, but not to love. Here's a question. Proverbs chapter 23, the pursuit of, of this kind of, of happiness is, is a fleeting pursuit. It's something that you just can't find it. You just, it's not there. Ask someone, or maybe look into your own life, and you'll see. You never find happiness, not true happiness. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. Do not weary yourselves to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. Now, either God is right or God is wrong. You tell me. Why, why, why pursue something that, that isn't even sustainable for life? I mean, it's, it's, it's going to fly away. It, it's here today and it, it's gone tomorrow. It's always dwindling away. Matthew chapter 6. Instead, how about an eternal perspective? How about pursuing godliness and righteousness and the love of God and the service to the Lord and let God do what He wishes. And if God wills that, that you have much and plenty, then thank God for that. Use it in a godly way and watch God bless you. A preoccupation with, with earthly riches can truly distract us from, from what's really important, right? It can truly distract us from this relationship that we are supposed to be developing with Christ. God is not saying don't work and don't go out and try and better yourself. And not. God is not saying that. We're not, we're not talking about that part of it. God is saying don't make that your priority. God has to be your priority. So here's what God promises. Verse 34. Every day you're going to have something else to deal with. And you know the only one that's going to help you to deal with those things is God. Verse 34 says... Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Every day there's, there's just something out there, right? And, and spiritual pursuits uh, in serving God will help you to not neglect the physical needs, right? You're, you're going to take care of the physical needs. It's natural of us. But your spiritual pursuit, that's what's important. And I'll tell you what your spiritual pursuit includes, it includes faith. Faith. That God's going to take care of it. God is going to help me through. That God is going to... Faith. Verse 25, he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than, than they? And I, and I guess maybe we have to ask ourselves that same question. Am I worth more than birds to God? <laughs> does, does God not know what I need? And so my pursuit for, for life in and, and my perspectives of life have to be surrounded around the eternal things. 
You have to learn how to, to you know, correct my thinking when I start getting focused on, on materialism and things of this world instead of God or in place of God. In verse 30 it says, But if God so raised the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow and is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, old men of little faith? And so where, where, is, where are my priorities in life? Where is my, my perspective? When I think of life in general, trusting in human wisdom, it, it just distracts us, doesn't it? Trusting in, in human wisdom is a distractor from the Lord. Proverbs 28, please. Why am I making these decisions? I'm making these decisions because, and, and then dot, dot, dot. But is God first in that decision? Am, am I thinking about, about God? And why do we have to talk about this? Well, because we have to remind ourselves constantly where our mind has to be, right? Focused on God. Not, not just in this building, but every day of our lives. Trusting in me, well, that, that's, that's not wise. And when I say me, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you and us. Trusting in yourself. Proverbs 28 and verse 26 says, He who trusts in his own heart. Is that in your Bible? How many times have you heard people say, well, you know, I, this is the way I just know this is what God wants. And you start trusting in what you feel. And, and how many of those people have you noticed when they've said those things over time find out they're wrong? Right? Trusting in your own heart is a fool. Don't, don't get wrapped up in the trusting in your, own, in your own heart. The one who walks wisely will be delivered by God. So the one who puts God first, that's the one the one who thinks about God and what is the will of God? What does God want for me? And sometimes what God wants for me, I'm going to Proverbs 3, is not what I would have chosen for myself. Right? No, but, but Lord, there, I... In the Proverbs 3 and verse 5, trust in the Lord, the Bible says. Trust in the Lord with, with all your heart. That leaves no room for anything else. That, that leaves no room for me. Don't trust in, I'm not going to trust in me. I'm going to trust in God. The things that I, that I valued 20 years ago, I don't value today. <laughs> and I, and I, those things 20 years ago that I really trusted and I thought, these, this, is what I, this, is, this is what I need. And 20 years later, you look back and you go, why do I even, even have that? Why was that even a priority? And then things have changed over, over the years. And, and God says, look, the only constant in your life is me. God is the only constant in your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I mean, that's such a challenge for us, Right? You know, we like to think about the fact that we have degrees and diplomas and, and we have, you know, education and we have experience and I can start trusting in myself, right? God says, no, don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, right? 
And do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, every decision that we make has to surround itself around God. In verse 6 it says, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. And I know we have to make decisions, but make sure the decisions that you're making have a focus on God. Micah, please. Chapter 6. When they were discussing, you know, well, what does God, um, you know, what does God really want from us? What, what does, you know, what really is this spiritual perspective thing we're talking about? Eternal perspective and being spiritual minded in all things. What, so, so the question was posed, verse 6, with what shall I come to the Lord? And bow myself before the God on high. Shall I come to him with burnt offerings? With, with yearling calves? Well, you, you look forward to Hebrews 10. And the, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. That, that's not really what God was talking about. We know he's pointing to Jesus. Verse 7. Does the Lord delight in, in thousands of rams? Well, Psalm 50. Uh, God says, they're all mine. So, you know, you really can't bring me anything. I'm God. I own everything. You know God owns your checking account too? Right? And your savings, by the way, and your retirement. Anyway. In 10,000 rivers of oil, shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's, ho- he's told you Oh man, what is good? And that's what's important. That's why reading the Bible is so important. What does God want from me? You've got to read the Bible to get an understanding. And God says, look, this is what I'm asking of you. To do justice. To love kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. How hard is that? Right? To do justice. To love kindness. Think about this for a moment. Think about all the aspects of your life and to do justice, to walk, to love kindness, and, and to, to walk humbly with your God. What, what, an, what that is the... Okay. Lord, I, I can do that. Right. And, and you apply that to every aspect of your life. It's a strong Christian walk. Back to 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 15. I know you say, well, well, preacher, show me that in the New Testament. Well, we, we don't have time. I can show it to you over and over again. Right? All throughout the New Testament. To do justice. To love kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. I think we might just say, be like Jesus. So Samuel uh, uh, is confronted with Saul and, and the actions of Saul. And, and then there's some, some wickedness that happens in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15 regarding the Amalekites and all the bad things that, that they did. And I, I want to go to 1 Samuel 15. I want to look at verse 19. Here's the disobedience of Saul. And I just, I just want to grab the answer of God. I want to, I want to grab that. Verse, verse uh, 19. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? 
but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the choices of the things devoted to destruction, the sacrifice to the Lord God at Gilgal. Well, what happened was they, they looked around and they, and they said, you know, we could do some good. We could use this stuff in a, in a way that would be beneficial to God. And, and they used their own wisdom and they, and they completely disobeyed God because God said, don't do that. See, and even though man in his own mind, he put together some plans that he would sacrifice some of these things to God, we would benefit from some of these things on our own. God called it disobedience because they didn't do what God told them to do. And then in verse 22, Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? See, you, you can make a thousand sacrifices, but if you haven't obeyed the Lord, none of it matters. You see? And, and, and so I, I can have all the money in the world, but if I'm not obeying the Lord, none of that matters. And then I can think about all the other things of life, and I'm not obeying the Lord, then none of that matters. I could be the happiest human on earth, but if I'm not obeying the Lord, then none of that matters. Because my eternal perspective, that's what matters. Am I going to get to heaven or not? That's what matters, church. That's the question that we ought to ask ourselves every day in our relationship to the Lord. Am I going to get to heaven by the blood of Christ or not? Thank you, God, for your grace. But God says, I do require obedience. That was God's answer. As obeying the Lord, the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better then sacrifice and to heed the fat of rams. If you had just obeyed me, if you would just, ob- we don't like that word in America. You know, right? That's not an American word. We don't use that one. You know, you obey me. You know, they'll call OCS on you. You start telling your child, you will obey me. We don't like that word. We're too proud. Walk humbly with God, right? It's one of those things that God asks us to do. Obey God. So what does God ask of us? Matthew 6. Back to Matthew 6. What does God ask of us? What does God say that he wants us to do? Matthew 6 in verse 33. It's simple. It's not difficult. But but he says that he wants you to seek what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First. God says, I have to be first. First in what, Lord? In everything. Everything, Lord? Everything. If God is not first in everything, you put yourself above God. If God is not first in everything, you put materialism above God. If God is not first in everything, then God is second or whatever number that follows. And God says, I will not be your second. I will only be your first. Think about that. Right? God doesn't have to accept everything we do. Right? God can say, look, you, you put me second. I, I'm like your leftovers. I'm your rebound. I will not be your rebound. 
I will not be your, your leftovers. I am God. I will be number one. And that is the only thing I will accept. But seek first the kingdom of God. Now, that's his church too, right? The church, it has to be first. My relationship as a member of the body of Christ has to be first. Seeking that kingdom and all that it brings and all the blessings within God has to be first. Colossians chapter 3. A spiritual focus involves aligning our priorities with, with God, right? What, what is God's eternal plan? What does God really have in store for us? It's, sometimes we live our lives. Remember a long time ago, four, five years ago, I talked about Christian atheists. Sometimes as Christians, we live as if God doesn't exist, right? Can't do that. God will not accept our seconds. First, I have to be first. The spiritual realm is everlasting and has significance in our lives. And it, it has to be what's important in our lives, in our, in our mindset. We must, we must gain insight into the importance of, of service to God and align all of our priorities. With what thus saith the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If then you have been raised up with. I love the condition, right? If, I mean, if God did this for you, if God displayed his power in you, if you have been raised up with Christ, if you are a Christian, you've been baptized in the waters of salvation, and you've been raised up out of that water, if that's true. Keep seeking things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Well, what about me, God? If it's all about you, what about me? Well, that's the point. It is all about you. When Jesus died, he had you in mind, individually and independently, and collectively as a church. It's a body of believers, all who will come to Jesus. He stayed on that cross because he loved you individually. He loved us collectively. That's why he stayed on the cross. When God came down, when God made the choice to save us, he made the choice to save us for all those who would obey. But God so loved the world. Everyone has the same opportunity, the same chance to love God back. What are you going to do with that? How, how will you give an account for yourself when you stand before God and God asks you the question, would you honestly say that you loved me back the way that I loved you? What a scary question. <laughs> now, what a scary question. Romans chapter 12. I don't know what questions they'll ask us and pray God that we you know when you read the text I'm thankful we don't we don't have to give that answer for Jesus will speak for us and thank you God for that but am I loving God back or am I just so in love with myself there's just very little room for God is God truly number one eternal perspectives God is 
has to be number one. This transformation, it, it's got to happen at some point. If it, and it's a continual thing, right? And it's a thing that, that the apostle, by way of inspiration, begs us. You know, I beseech you, I'm begging you to, to do something that is beneficial for you in your, in your walk with God. I'm, I'm urging you, I'm giving you, the, I'm giving you what, what's, what's important and what's necessary, that brethren, I, I urge you by the mercies of God, I, I beseech you by the mercies of God to make your life worth something. Make it worth something. Listen to what he says, verse 1. I urge you, therefore, Brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Make some sacrifices, right? You know, fight against those urges and that temptation to, to feed the flesh and, and wickedness and in sin and, you know, Galatians chapter 5. Fight that urge, that temptation to fulfill your own desires and your own lust. Sacrifice yourself for God and to God. And then he, he goes into the mind and he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that will of God, what it is, that which is good and acceptable and and perfect, that perfect will of God. Transform your mind. Transform your, your thinking. Get out of the flesh and get into the spirit. Right? That's where God wants us. And in the true perspective, there's only one true perspective. There's only one true way of looking at life. There's only one true way to live our lives. And it's not my way. And it's not your way. And it's not, it's not what the world says. It is all through Jesus. And Jesus in John 14 and verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am it. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's all, I'm going back to Deuteronomy. I'm going to close chapter 10. It has to be all about Jesus. Now, here's a question for you in closing this lesson out. What's so wrong with making your life all about Jesus? I mean, what's so wrong with that? What, what's, what's so wrong about that? You know what the world says? You're a goody two-shoe. The, the world says, if, you know, you, you're, you, know you, you don't want to be you're the teacher's pet. You're, you know, don't follow the rules. You know, we're all about rebellion, aren't we? Right? It's all about rebellion. You know, well, you know, we, we do this because, I mean, I know what the law says, but, you know, we always, we always push the boundaries. What's so wrong with not pushing the boundary? What, what's so wrong about, about saying, I'm, I'm going to live the way God tells me to live? I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love kindness. I'm going I'm to walk justly before the Lord, and I'm going to, I'm going to humble myself before God. I'm going, what's so wrong with that? Someone said that meekness and humility is weakness, right? You know, then there are all these things about, well, don't mistake my weakness for, you know, or don't mistake my humility, rather, or my kindness for weakness. And what's, what's wrong with being kind and gentle and, and full of love and joy and peace and, and patience? What, what's wrong with the fruit of the Spirit? 
with, with Roma being like Jesus, not, not being like the world. What's wrong with that? What, what's wrong with, with not being what the world is? What's so wrong with that? That's why we need each other, you see. Because we need people of like mind to encourage us to go back out there. Tomorrow's Monday. Go, go to work. And, and tomorrow I got to go out there and I got I to face the world. And I need to think about, I need to be like Jesus. And so if, if you're not uplifted and strengthened by being here, that, that's a collective problem, isn't it? And an individual problem. Right? We bring something to worship. Right? And so it's not, just, it's not just stimulating each other to love and good works. It's you know, encouraging one another, saying, go back out there and fight against Satan. You know, we're at war. I mean, by Wednesday, it, it's tiring, church, right? By Wednesday, you're, you're in this battle. If you've been in the military, you understand. You're, you know, you, you just, I just need a break. And you, you get to come to worship or to Bible study and, and sit with men and women that have been out there at war with you in the battle and you guys finally get to rest and pat each other on the back and, and love each other and encourage each other and then say, all right, you're ready to go back and finish fighting? It's like, all right, here we go. We got Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Can't wait to get back. By Sunday, I've got to get back here on Sunday. I, I need you to give me some more encouragement and more, and more strength. And, and I've got to go back out there to war on on Sunday afternoon when I leave the building. And you know the worst thing about war is when I come in here and the war is in here. Right? So sometimes the world, the world brings the war from, from there. We bring, it, we bring it in here. Don't let it come into here. Not, not the building. I mean in our hearts. And you know what's tough about the war too? Satan's a part of that war, isn't he? And you know what Satan does? Satan shows up to church. I don't know who gave him a ride this morning, but he's here. Right? Sometimes I give them a ride at church. Right? We need each other, church. Can't do this alone. It's an impossibility. Can't. You cannot. So what does God ask us to do? Deuteronomy 10 in verse, in verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord. I want you to think about Jesus now. When you're asking me about this, you're going to the Old Testament, Tony, with the Micah 6, and now you're in Deuteronomy 10, and so show me this in the New Testament. I want you just to think about Jesus. Okay? Just think about Jesus. And now Israel, what does the Lord God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways and love Him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth, and all that is in it. Is that not an accurate Description of Jesus. So what he does in the New Testament is he says, look, I've told it to you in the Old Testament, and I'm going to tell you again in the New Testament, but before I do that, let me show you how to do it. And he sent his son. Are my priorities focused in heaven? Number one. The lesson this morning is yours. Thank you for your, your time and 
perhaps this morning something is, is said or maybe in your walk of faith you decided today is a day that you wanted to make your life right with God. If there's something that we can do to help you, whether it be surrender to God in the waters of baptism or pray with you or pray for you, if there's something, if there's anything that we can do to help you, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.